All right. So if I had to title this message, it would be called Overwhelmed. Okay? So my question for you is, do you ever feel overwhelmed, right? So it's that feeling that more is coming at you than you can possibly handle, right? Do you ever feel overwhelmed? So I was welcoming a family just last week. I know you guys have probably seen me out in the breezeway. And I was welcoming a family, and and it's a younger family. They have two girls, couldn't be more than two and three years old. And they have a fresh baby boy, probably, I don't know, four to five weeks old, right? And so I walk out there in my typical over-eager self. I say, good morning. (laughs) How are you doing this morning, right? And they look at me, and their hair's kind of disheveled. I notice that one of their buttons is off, and they say, Oh, oh, we're blessed, right? They said they were blessed with their mouths, but as I looked at them, their eyes said something totally different, right? Their eyes screamed of sleep deprivation, and I could just imagine them being up over and over again taking care of a newborn baby, right? It's too much. It's too much. Maybe for you it's time, right? There's just not enough hours in the day. How many of you guys struggle with time, right? So you wake up in the morning, okay? You get some sort of food in your belly, right? You get your three kids and you load them up in your SUV, right? And then you drop your kids off at school and you have just enough time to make it to work, right? Then you do two people's job for one person's pay. Come on, somebody, all right? And then it's finally over, right? And so then you go and you pick up your kids, but it's not done yet because you have to take your oldest kid to karate practice. How many karate kids do we have in the house? So now you're at karate practice, and it's awesome, right? Like this is, this is great, karate, right? And karate practice runs five minutes over. Of course it runs five minutes over, right? And then you have 20 min- minutes to make a 30-minute drive across town to dance practice, Okay, now we're at dance practice and we're watching dance. Praise the Lord, dance is over. You got your three kids in the car and then you're like, I'm headed to Chick-fil-A, right? Because everybody knows that's Jesus' chicken. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That Chick-fil-A sauce. You know what I'm talking about. All right, so you load your three kids up. Now you're at Chick-fil-A. You get out to get your to-go order and your youngest kid will not be quiet. So you put them in the play place. Like, just go. Just give me a minute, right? Then you get your food. You grab all your kids and you load up in the car and you're thinking, I made it, right? Like, I slayed today. And then suddenly you realize you left your youngest kid in the play place. Come on. And you got to go back. It's too much. There's not enough time. Maybe for you it's your finances, right? It's that feeling of walking up to the mailbox and knowing that there's more bills in the mailbox than you have money to pay. Maybe for you it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage. You're like, yeah, a a, a life-giving, loving marriage, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. But can I just get through the day without wanting to rip my husband's head off? Come on. Maybe it's your marriage. It's too much. Maybe for you it's comparison, right? It's comparison. So you've had your fourth box of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes this week. When you scroll, scroll through Instagram, and you know there's always that one friend. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? I won't point, any, won't point to anyone. But they are eating for the third time this week and posting it on Instagram. They're from scratch, gluten-free, you know, paleo. It's like, uh, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. It's too much. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Some of you are saying, I didn't feel overwhelmed before I came to church this morning, but now I do. Welcome to Anchor Ben. We're so glad you're here this morning. Yeah. You know, we laugh about feeling overwhelmed, but the truth is America is in a state of being overwhelmed. I'm going to read some statistics, statistics for you from the CDT. 
CDC, it says depression affects 20 to 25% of Americans ages 18 years of age and older. In 2018, 8.5 million American adults suffer from both mental health issues and substance abuse. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States for all ages. Every day, approximately, every day, approximately 123 Americans die by suicide. I think it's safe to say we're in a state of being overwhelmed. And the truth is, we don't even have to look at these statistics to know that we're in that state. We need only to look in the mirror. You know, the truth is, we all feel overwhelmed sometimes. And what I want to do today is I want to look in the Word of God, because I think it says something about how we handle those types of situations. Amen? So we're going to pick up in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. And here's what it says. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood. So that's an important point. 10 men with leprosy stood. And if anybody understood what it was like to be overwhelmed, it was these 10 men. They were being overwhelmed physically. So leprosy is a terrible disease. And in Jesus' day, there was absolutely no cure. You don't have any symptoms for the first five to 10 years in which you contract leprosy, but it actually starts to attack your central nervous system, okay? So, so it starts to attack your central nervous system, and then your extremities start to decompose and die off. So your nose, your eyes, your mouth, your hands, they start to, to, to die, and then they decompose while they're still attached to your body. They were being overwhelmed physically. They were being overwhelmed relationally. So the only thing that they could do with them, because it's a highly contagious disease, is put them outside of town, right? So they weren't able to tuck their kids in at night. They weren't able to touch their wives' face. They were being overwhelmed relationally. They were being overwhelmed financially, right? So they had to sit outside of town. They couldn't do anything to make money, so they were forced to beg. They were being overwhelmed financially. They were being overwhelmed spiritually, I can only imagine the feelings of anxiety, depression, and fear. They didn't know what was going to happen in their life. They didn't get to go to church with their friends and family. They were being overwhelmed spiritually. If anybody knew what it was like to feel overwhelmed, it was these 10 men. And yet, and yet they had one thing going for them. They had one thing going for them. They were in the best place they could possibly be. They were in the best place that they could possibly be because they were in the presence of Jesus. They were in the presence of Jesus. What do we do when we're feeling overwhelmed? The first thing we have to do is we have to choose the best place. We have to choose the best place, and that's in the presence of Jesus. You know, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a, a pastor's secret, right? So people come to me all the time, and they ask for advice, and, and they ask me to speak into their life. And it doesn't matter if it's their marriage, if it's their finances. It doesn't matter what the situation is. The pastoral advice that I speak to them, the question that I ask them is always the same. And it's, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? And I cannot tell you how many times people look at me and their eyes are wide open and their shoulders are leaned back, almost shocked that I could ask them to hear the voice of God in their life. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, you can hear the voice of God. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the voice of God in your life. 
How do we hear the voice of God? We have to choose the best place. How do we hear the voice of God? We have to choose to be in his presence. That means we have to come to church on Sunday, right? Every Sunday. And it's not if I'm going to church. It's me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I come to church so that I can be connected with a body of believers. I come to church so that I can be poured into, so that I can be in the presence of God. We have to choose the best place. We have to choose to be on ch- at church on Sunday right? But that's not the end of the story. We can't just choose to be in his presence on Sunday. We have to seek his face on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. We have to choose to seek his face over a busy life. That means we have to choose to seek his face when we're overwhelmed. And instead of going shopping, come on somebody, where's all my shopaholics? I'm guilty too right? But instead of doing some retail therapy, we have to get down on our knees. We have to press into the Word of God, and we have to seek His face. Can I get an amen? The Word of God says that it is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Don't tell me you can't hear the voice of God if your Bible isn't open. We have to seek God's presence in our life. Those men with everything going wrong in their life, they had one thing going right. They had chosen the best place because they were in the presence of Jesus. And here's what happened next. In verse 14, it says he looked at them. He looked at them. So can you imagine Jesus, all man, all God, he looked at you and said, go show yourself to the priest. Don't miss that. He said, go show yourself to the priest. So he said, go to church, essentially, right, and show yourself Go show yourself. When is the last time you showed yourself to someone? And I'm not talking about your Instagram highlight real self. I'm not talking about your Sunday dressed best self. I'm talking about when is the last time that you showed yourself to someone? When is the last time you took off the mask? You stopped pretending like everything was okay and you showed someone your leprosy. You showed them your hurts, your habits, and your hangups. When is the last time you showed yourself to someone? You see, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, right? How many Southern Baptist people do we have in the house? Come on, somebody. And I love the church that I grew up in. Like, I am forever thankful for that church. Um, It's where I came to know Christ. It set the foundation, the trajectory for my life. But I have to say, I grew up not understanding what it meant to show myself to someone. You see, there was a higher premium on the way things looked than how they actually were. There was a tendency to act like everything was okay on the outside, while inside everything was not okay, right? You see, I knew what it felt like to go to church on the weekends, but never experience the fruits of the Spirit in my life. So I grew up saved, but not set free. I grew up and learned how to wear a mask of religion that lacked true relationship with people. The Word of God says, confess your sins one to another, and you will be healed. Okay, so your healing, listen to me, your healing is directly connected. You cannot bypass the process, as Pastor Jim said last week. You have to show yourself to someone. Your healing is directly connected to who you show yourself to. We have to choose the best place, and the best place is in the presence of God, and the best place is in relationship with people. Next it says, and this is so important, right? It says, as they went, 
as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I love Jesus, right? So I'm not God, clearly, but, but if I was and I was going to heal 10 lepers, it would look a whole lot different. Come on, somebody. Here's what it would look like for me right? In my typical production self. I would say, where's my 10 like leaders, dream teamers? I want you to grab the 10 lepers, right? I want you to find the biggest mountain or the biggest stage that you can find. I want you to bring them up there, okay? We're going to have some smoke. I need some wicked worship music. Come on, somebody. We're going to lay hands on them. Fire's going to come down from heaven and boom, right? They're going to be healed. It's going to be instant, right? It's going to be supernatural, right? And yet that's not how God does it, right? It says that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, they were healed literally, right? I think so often we pray for for God to move in our life and we're expecting the supernatural and the immediate. But let me tell you something. It's the ordinary. It's the ordinary acts of obedience. It's the one foot in front of the other. It's the one foot in front of the other that brings about God's healing in your life. Here's what it may look like for you. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this marriage thing anymore. I just want out. And yet you're going to wake up and you're going to make a choice. I'm going to choose to submit to the process, right? I'm going to choose to die to myself. And today I'm going to honor and I'm going to serve my husband with everything in me. The next day I'm going to wake up. And regardless of his response, right, I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to do it again. 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 And one day you're going to look back at your life and you're going to see that the ordinary Steps of obedience brought about God's supernatural healing in your life. We have to submit to the process of God. As they went, they were healed. And yet, here's the crazy part. That's not even the climax of the story, right? So like God heals 10 people, and it's not even the high point of the story. The climax of the story is their response to the miracle. Here's what it says in verse 15. It says that one of them, There were 10, right? It says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting praise, right? Praise God is what he said. So he recognized, he recognized something that his healing came from God. He shouts praise God and then he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he has done. For this man was a Samaritan. So Samaritan just basically means half Jewish, half non-Jewish. So he was the least likely of all of the 10 to recognize God's work in his life. And yet I have questions, right? I have questions and I'm sure you have questions, right? And Jesus apparently has a question here. It says, didn't I heal 10 men, right? It's the same question that I have. What happened to the other nine? Where are the other nine? And yet Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, for your faith has healed you, for your faith has made you well. Your faith has literally saved you. So they had already experienced physical healing, but now he experienced whole life spiritual healing. But what about the other nine? What about the other nine? Why did only one return? You see, because I've read the story. I've read it over and over and over again. They all had leprosy. They all stood outside of town. They all cried out to Jesus for mercy. Jesus healed them all as they went. They all had the exact same experience, and yet only one returned to give God praise. Why? 
Because apparently two people can look at the exact same situation, at the exact same circumstance, and see something completely different. It's a matter of perspective. We have to choose the best perspective. What is your perspective this morning, right? Are you like the nine? Are you like the one? You see, because what the nine saw was this, that our cries for mercy have been heard. But what the one saw was that Jesus, Jesus heard my cries for mercy. What the nine saw was that we've been healed. But what the one saw was that Jesus, Jesus is the one who healed me. What the nine saw was that Jesus had given them exactly what they asked for. But what the one saw was that Jesus had given him more than he could ask for or even deserve. Because what the nine saw is that we've been restored to our old way of life. But what the one saw was that Jesus had given them a new life, which is so much better than the old way of life. Come on, somebody. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. How can two people look at the exact same situation and see something completely different? It's a matter of perspective. What are you looking at this morning? Are you focused on the problem? Are you focused on the provider? Are you focused on the critics? Or are you focused on the creator? Are you focused on your situation? Or are you focused on your savior? What is your perspective? What do we do when we're feeling overwhelmed? We have to choose the best perspective. You know, I'll never forget the day that my mom shared with Kevin and I that she'd been given the diagnosis of thyroid cancer. I'll never forget her and my dad coming over and, and sitting us down on the couch. And I can just remember looking at her eyes and seeing the fear. And you, and you have to understand that I loved my mom. She wasn't just my mom. She was one of the spiritual leaders in my household. We used to um, joke all the time. So I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, but we would say she was the most charismatic Southern Baptist you would ever see. So in a church where like nobody, it was almost like frowned upon to raise your hand. Um, my mom would stand on the stage and sing in the worship choir with both hands held high, praising Jesus. And so we, we used to always joke about that, but she had us in church every time the doors were open. And I loved my mom with everything in me. So you can imagine the fear that gripped me thinking that my mom might not make it. So this diagnosis was going to cause her to have to have surgery. Um, and they were going to remove her thyroid and her parathyroids. And there was no guarantee that this surgery was going to be successful. It was going to cut her neck open. And it was a potential that she couldn't sing or even communicate the same. So we were scared half to death. I can remember my mom being overwhelmed and looking totally afraid. And yet she made a choice. She made a choice, and she chose the best perspective. That means instead of isolating herself at home, she chose to go to church. That means instead of hiding her fears, she showed her fears to her friends. Those friends came to her house, and they anointed her head with oil. They prayed for her. They prayed for healing in her life. That means she held a wooden cross as she went through surgery. That means she sang worship songs before she went in. When she could have been depressed, scared, and alone, she chose the perspective that Jesus can do anything. I'll never forget her looking at me and saying, you know, if this is the place God wants me to be, then this is the best place I could possibly be. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says it like this. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than my, the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
I'm happy to share that my mom survived thyroid cancer. And she still stands on that Southern Baptist stage with both hands raised high, praising the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She chose the best perspective. We have to ask God to give us the best perspective. For the last year, I've been asking, God, give me your mind so that I can think like you think. God, give me your eyes so that I can see what you see. Give me your ears so that I can hear what you hear. Give me your mouth so that I can speak what you want me to speak. Why? Because having the best perspective may not change your circumstance, but it will change the way you see your circumstance. What do we do when we're feeling overwhelmed? We have to choose the best place. We have to choose to submit to the process. And we have to choose the best perspective. Lastly, we're going to choose the right priorities. Say, choose the right priorities. Yeah, as a follower of Christ, it's pretty clear to me what my priorities should be, right? So first, I'm going to love and serve God with everything that I have. Then I'm going to love and serve my husband, and I'm going to give everything I have to him. Next, I'm going to serve and honor the two gifts he's given me in Sailor and Scarlet, my daughters. Then I'm going to love and serve the people that he's placed around me. And last, I'm going to love myself because God loved me. Can I get an amen, somebody? It's pretty clear what our priorities should be. Yet far too often, as a, as a follower of Christ, I, just, I have to be honest, I have these types of thoughts. And far too often, as a pastor, I hear these types of thoughts. We say, well, if I had more time, right? If I had more time, then I would start my day off in the Word of God, right? But my schedule is crazy. It's crazy, Ashley, right? But little Johnny, little Johnny, he loves a baseball practice. I mean, his face just lights up, right? Maybe when baseball practice is over, I'll come to church regularly, right? Maybe if I had more money, I would put God first in my finances. Okay, so I mentioned I have two amazing, beautiful daughters, Sailor and Scarlett. Aren't they cute? Come on, somebody. Look at those faces. Okay, so I love my girls to pieces. Um, I always say they're different little snowflakes because God made them both very unique, Okay, but there is one thing that they have in common. There is one common denominator. When they make up their mind about something, when they choose something, they're all in and focused, right? They're, they're all in and they're going. I blame their father for that. Okay, so, so oftentimes I have to sit them down. I have to sit them down and I have to say, girls, I love you, but, right? I say, girls, I love you. Yes, yes. And so, Anchor Ben, when we have those types of thoughts, right? When we have those types of thoughts, Anchor Ben, I love you, but what we have is not a time problem. What we have is not a financial problem. What we have is not even an opportunity problem. What we have is a priority problem. Can I get an amen? We have to choose the best priorities. I love how Joshua 24 says it because Joshua stands in front of God's chosen people, just like I'm standing before you today. And he says, choose this day who you're going to serve because he understood something. He understood that every single day we have a choice. We have to choose what we're going to put first in our life. And whatever that is, that is what we're going to serve. So here's what it may look like to live a God-first life, that I'm going to start my week off in church, that I'm going to start my day in God's Word because I know the more time I spend with God, the more I become like God. I'm going to start my days with praising God in thankfulness because I'm thankful for what He's done in my life. I'm going to start my pay period off with a tithe because I've learned that 90% with God goes a whole lot further than 100% without him. I'm going to choose 
the right priorities. You guys are hearing me talk about this and you're probably like, Ashley, like seriously, can you calm down? Like, can you, can you just chill out, right? I know I hear it all the time. And the truth is I can't chill out. I can't calm down. I can't. Because let me tell you something. I used to be that person. I used to be that person that did not have my priorities in alignment. It wasn't that many years ago, probably like four See, I was a very young and very successful businesswoman. I'd married a handsome husband and still have a handsome husband. He's right here on the front row. I had two amazing, beautiful daughters. I had a six-figure job working for a Fortune 10 company as an upper-level executive. I had the big house. I had the nice car. I had everything that the world called success. I was consumed, actually, by what the world called success. I was desperately searching for something that could bring peace and contentment and joy in my life. You see, since the beginning of time, Satan has been trying to replace our identity with an image. We are sold a social media generation, right, with party lifestyles. Like, this is the way to live. It's an image. It's a counterfeit. We are bombarded with glossy magazines where, where men and women are photoshopped and liposucked to death. It's an image. It's not reality, right? We're being sold since we're little bitty what, what love looks like on Disney channels. It's an image. It's a counterfeit. You see, the world wants you to focus on what's impressive, not what is important. I had no time for my marriage. I had no time to focus on my kids. I had no time to focus on Jesus. And let's not even get started on the housework. I outsourced all that. It was just ridiculous. But as I began to choose God's presence in my life, I began to grow in relationship with him. I began to let go of the things that only glorified my image. I opened my hands and I started to lose control. You see, I began to lose the life I thought I wanted for the life that God had planned for me. Matthew 16, 25 says it like this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So I began to realign my priorities and walk in real relationship with God. I began to realize more and more that he had entrusted a beautiful family to me. I began to realign my finances and start, started to put God first in my life. I began to realign my actions and my efforts, and I even left my job to pursue full-time ministry. I began to shift the focus off myself and change my perspective where I wasn't at the center, but where Jesus was. You see, the reward for putting God first in your life isn't just the provision that he brings, although I can tell you time and time again of that happening in my life, but it's that he fills what you surrender to him with his freedom, with his fullness, and with his goodness. It's when I look in the mirror in the morning and I can honestly say, I love myself. That means I don't have to put on a performance anymore, but I just get to be who God created me to be. That means I don't have to watch my life helplessly go by without any ability to stop it. It's when I stand in awe of all that he has done. You know, I started this message with a question, and it was, do you ever feel overwhelmed? And my prayer for this message is that not that you wouldn't feel overwhelmed, but that you would feel even more overwhelmed, but not overwhelmed by your circumstance, but overwhelmed by the goodness of who God is. 
not overwhelmed by the things of this world, but overwhelmed by eternity. Here's what I know, that when we're feeling overwhelmed, we have to choose the best place. We have to choose to submit to the process. We have to choose the best perspective, and we have to choose the right priorities. And I'm telling you, if you get those things in alignment, you're going to wake up every day, and you're not going to be overwhelmed by the things of this world. You're going to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God in your life. You're going to be overwhelmed by His grace, overwhelmed by His mercy, overwhelmed by His power. You're going to be overwhelmed by what He does in your life. I want to invite everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I know that some of you, when you walked in here today, are feeling overwhelmed. Feeling overwhelmed by your circumstances in your life, and yet as a follower of Christ, I'm telling you today, that is not how he wants you to live. He wants you to be overwhelmed, but overwhelmed by his goodness, by his grace, and by his love. If that's you, and you're overwhelmed by your circumstances this morning, but you want to be overwhelmed by God, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but if that's you, I see you. I see you. Hands up all over the room. I see you. I see you. I see you. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you care for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you help each and every one of us, that we make right choices. Lord, help us to choose the best place. Lord, help us submit to your process. Lord, give us the best perspective and help us to choose the best priorities. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for every single one of us who are feeling overwhelmed every single day by the things of this world. God, I pray that you would help us realign our priorities and be overwhelmed by your goodness. As we continue in prayer, some of you are here today and you may not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Some of you walked in today completely overwhelmed by the weight of the world. Some of you walked in hopeless. But I'm here to tell you there is hope and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, he loves you and he died on the cross for the very weight that you are carrying this morning. You see, he died on the cross, but that isn't the end of the story. Three days later, God raised him from the grave, and he wants to do the same thing in your life today. You know, I believe that God is tugging on somebody's heart this morning, and if that is you, and you want to make the best decision of your life, if you want to invite Christ into your heart this morning, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We're not going to make it a big deal. But if that's you this morning and you want to make Christ the center of your life, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? I see you. I see you. Just one more minute. Is there anyone else? Okay, we're going to say a prayer, and it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the posture of your heart. So I want to ask you guys just to repeat after me, if all of Anchor Ben would. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me enough to send Jesus 
to die on the cross and be raised from the grave so that I can be saved. Because you've done that, I'm ready to turn from my sin and to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this new life that you've given me. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Such a good day.